Hello and welcome to the Jazz Jam Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Gunnels, joined by my co-host, Max Levy. And on today's episode, we're going to be getting into a new album, one by an up-and-coming saxophonist, Lakeisha Benjamin. The album is entitled Phoenix. Max, it's been a little while. We want to apologize to all of our listeners for our little bit of a hiatus, but we're back and we're super excited to get into this album. Max, how have you been? What's been going on in your life since since the last episode? I've been doing well. Uh, yeah, it's been a two-month hi- hiatus. It's been too long. I've been listening to a lot of jazz since then. <laughs> so uh, there's, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to keep up, uh, even though we haven't been doing our thing here. Um, you know, playing a lot of gigs, um, being on the scene, trying to do what I do. And, uh, one, you know, it, it's given me some time to think about some other things I want to do. I want to write more music. Uh, I want to create more of a, a personal concept of, of my musical purpose or journey, trying to form a particular band or sound in my head. Meanwhile, you know, playing in a variety of venues with a variety of bands and, and just staying busy as a gigging musician has kept me busy too. So um, that, and then, you know, just trying to live life. And speaking of that, I know you've had quite a few uh, changes lately in your own life. And that's been one reason why we haven't done this. So, you know, there's been some stuff you've been doing too. So it's good to get back here and get back to reviewing some great albums that you and I love to discuss this one, uh, a newer one from uh, a newer star like Keisha Benjamin. Yeah, it feels like there's been like a, a missing piece in my my life without doing the, the podcast for a little bit. So I'm definitely glad to get back to it. Max, when are we going to review a, a Max Levy album on the podcast? It seems like that might be what you're <laughs> alluding to there. Well, maybe, maybe not no time soon. But uh, it's, you know, there's some things in the works and there's always some other stuff, you know, that I play on that maybe we could go over and review of other people's albums in Kansas City or or you know, in North Carolina, what, you know, wherever we're both active. Um, yeah, I, I kind of was alluding to that eventually, but don't hold your breath. No time soon. <laughs> yeah. And I know our, our friend, Zach Graybill, Zach Grooves on YouTube, his album for his group, uh, everything. Yes. I think is the name of the group. I believe that's coming out at the end of the month. So that might be, we might have to do that one and have Zach on and kind of get his thoughts into how what he was thinking when he made it so i think that's definitely one we're going to want to look out for um and i've listened to some of the tracks and it's got some some really cool vibes going on i don't know if you've heard it. it's like very snarky puppy kind of newer jazz fusion um kind of stuff going on and sean reeser who you know you went to school with as well is is on it as well so yeah he's a fabulous saxophonist very much in the michael brecker sort of tradition and the snarky puppy thing is a part of, of his concept. And yeah, I think you're right. Um, I haven't heard any snippets from it, but that album is coming out soon and we're going to have to go over it here on the jazz jam, maybe with the one and only Zach Cruz, Zach Ray bill himself. That'd be great. Yeah, that would be a good time, but let's, let's get into the album for the day. Uh, Phoenix by Lakeisha Benjamin Max. Why don't you give us a little bit of like the, the background, the history, the, process of recording this album that uh lakeisha went through of course this album is called phoenix uh it was recorded on june 2nd and june 3rd of 2022 at the bunker studios in new york city it was released pretty recently on january 27th 2023 on whirlwind records 
if you don't know world gosh that's hard to say <laughs> whirlwind record records geez it's been a minute hasn't it yeah max has forgotten <laughs> how to talk completely i got you whirlwind records there you go continue max thank you Dwayne. oh man uh they are a london-based indie label focused on releasing improvisational music um and they've been around since about 2010 it was originally founded by bassist Michael Janish, and uh, they've now released over 170 albums. They're pretty much the premier contemporary jazz label in the UK. And also, if you don't know, Samara Joy's very first album was on this very same label, Whirlwind Records. There we go. There you go. All right. <laughs> Uh, and if you don't know, Lakeisha Benjamin has had quite a few album releases. This is technically her fourth studio album. She's previously released albums on Robodope Records, which is, of course, a great label founded in 1999. Such groups as Snarky Puppy um, have released music on that label. And Lakeisha's first release was in 2012 from Motima or Matama Music. Um, and that company or group also helped launch Gregory Porter's career. So there's a lot of connections here. Um, from from newer jazz artists in the last decade. And Lakeisha Benjamin is doing a lot of great things. Um, she's worked with a lot of different people. We're going to get into her background in just a, a few seconds. But another key thing about this album is this one was produced by Terry Lynn Carrington, the great drummer who won the uh, jazz album instrumental category in the Grammy for her album, New Standards Volume 1. And so she, there's some similarities between this album, Phoenix, and her album, New Standards, that, you know, we're going to talk about because there's some similarities. And that's mainly due because uh, Terry is the producer on here. And there's also a number of guests on this album, just like Terry Lynn Carrington's album. Um, here we've got vocalist Diane Reeves, who was also on Terry's album. Um, vocalist and instrumentalist Georgia Ann Muldrow pianist and R&B singer Patrice Russian, poet Sonia Sanchez, activist and academic Angela Davis is on the first track. We also have spoken word from the great saxophonist Wayne Shorter, who unfortunately passed away in the lull, in the two-month lull between our last episode and this episode of the Jazz Jam podcast. So we're very saddened to hear about the passing of the great Wayne Shorter. We're going to talk about him more as we go on. And we'll probably get into some of his own albums later on in another episode of the podcast. We also have trumpeter Wallace Roney Jr. on this album on track number seven, organist Anastasia Petrova, bassist Jamal Nichols. And then there's also the core band after all those people. And of course, we got Lakeisha on alto saxophone, trumpeter Joss Evans, Victor Gould on the keys, uh, Mr. Rodriguez, Rodriguez on synth, and track one and track three, we got drummer E.J. Strickland, percussionist Miss Santos, her first name spelled N-E-G-A-H. She's on track five. And we also get bassist Ivan Taylor on both the upright and electric basses, respectfully. So um, a lot of players on this album, and, and there's a lot of original music here. Lakeisha gives us so much on this record. And just to go into who Lakeisha Benjamin is, she is an alto saxophonist mainly, born and raised in Washington Heights in New York City. She began learning saxophone in elementary school, attended the new school, 
and she studied jazz under greats, including Gary Bartz, Buster Williams, and Billy Harper. She's since performed with so many artists, including Alicia Keys, Missy Elliott, Reggie Workman, Vanessa Rubin, Gregory Porter, Stevie Wonder, the list goes on. <laughs> and she performs often with her own group, currently touring the world, including places like Europe, where she performs often. She's played on four continents, in addition to also playing during Barack Obama's 2009 inauguration. And uh, it seems evident that she's very much influenced by both John and Alice Coltrane, and she's well mentored, well versed in the the language we call, we call jazz. Excuse me, and you know that's very evident from this record. And we're going to get into it more as we go on. Yeah, Max, that was a, a great breakdown, and definitely a very notable thing about the album is the number of guest appearances on the album and how each guest kind of brings their own unique flavor to the different tracks. Which I think is one thing that's really really great about this album is each track kind of has its own thing its own vibe so let's get into the the first track on the album max which is american skin yeah she's coming in hot with a statement here part of lakeisha benjamin's thing is um really embracing the idea of of having a message with your music and so, you know, there's an element of that here on a couple tracks, including this first one called American Skin, which is spelled with two K's in American. And of course, the K in skin, two plus one is three. And that's alluding to, of course, the KKK. So she's making a, a political statement here um, by reference of the title. Uh, you know, th this this track also comes in hot with uh, an original monologue from Angela Davis. If you don't know, she's an activist and academic. I'm not always in alignment with, with some of her views for sure, but you know, she is a, one of the voices that would match what Lakeisha is shooting for, uh, with the purpose of this first track. Um, it starts off with this political statement, and that also illustrates the mark of the producer, Terry Lynn Carrington, who is known for, her uh her efforts in both uh gender you know uh, gender equality and uh her pointing out racial strife uh in the history of america and and in jazz music and so this is just a, another connection between lakeisha and terry lynn carrington here um again we get that spoken word there's also some background police siren noises to start off the track and it's set alongside noises of gunfire as well. The piano brings in the band after all that, while the saxophone and the trumpet perform a lingering minor melody accompanied by bashing fast drums, a la Elvin Jones. There's, you know, a distinct connection with the John Coltrane Quartet and a lot of what Lakeisha does. And we get that right away here on this first track. And there's also some sweeping piano motion in the style of McCoy Tyner, too. Yeah, and I think one thing that sticks out to me with this melody is it's it's kind of a little bit longer than you might expect. And like Max said, they're like definitely making a statement. And I get that even from this melody. They're kind of taking their time and saying what they need to in the melody. They're not really rushing to get anything out. It's really, you know, they're taking their time and they're they're kind of saying what they want to say. And I feel that in the melody as well as through the monologue and the the background, the sirens and the gunshots. So you're really, they're setting a scene for you here with this melody and the, the intro to this track. Yeah. It's a continually developing 
story that they're yeah. that they're producing you know musically speaking and and a lot of this melody reminds me verbatim of the latter part of the john coltrane quartet mm. um there's elements of some african spiritual music as well it just in the, it's a hint you know it's the train thing um but more or less the latter part of the of the john coltrane quartet being influenced here i think um or being you know that's where she's drawing inspiration from I also think Lakeisha's soloing is top notch. I mean, on even on this very first track, her alto solo is quite impactful. She begins with repetition of short motives or motifs, plays a lot with rhythm. Then she goes into soulful altissimo, reminds me a little bit of Kenny Garrett. Um, and she plays right into sweeping lines uh, or excuse me, weeping lines equipped with fast sweeps or doits. That's when you move quickly up the horn with your fingers and, and you kind of make this doit kind of sound. <laughs> so she, she she implements a lot of that, not only in this solo, but in other ones on this album as well. She's in and out of high notes, playing a lot of um, uh, kind of higher notes, higher shout lines, larger intervallic movement, and a lot of rhythmic interplay. And I want us to listen to a moment of, of the tail end of her solo where she incorporates some of those ideas. And I want you to also listen for the synthesizer sounds that are in the background too. Yeah, I definitely get that, the Kenny Garrett. It almost reminds me of, we did sketches of MD, certain parts of that where it's just very kind of like stream of consciousness, like just coming from deep within, you know, not really, there's not a lot of thought about like, oh, I'm going to play this line and connect this phrase this way. It's just kind of coming from within. I mean, obviously she's so well, well trained and so well studied that she doesn't have to think about it, but it feels like it's, it's very connected and it's very just stream of what she's thinking at the time. It's organic. It's honest. It's real. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's pure and it's flowing. You know what? It, she seamlessly goes into that, uh, that sort of shout line with the Trump, but from the tail end of her solo it was like that that shout line was part of her solo that's how well it fits yep. um and just everything else you know sonically was spot on and then we get the trumpet solo that follows that and and they bring the dynamic way down and they play longer chordal sounds and a driving snare drum groove underneath the solo and this trumpet solo has nice movement to to it. It develops very nicely, leading into a moment where we get some horn trading. And there's a moment where I spotted the jazz tradition here. The tradition is still here, folks, <laughs> and it's not going away. And that's one thing I love about Lakeisha Benjamin. You can hear how studied she is of this music. And there are moments where you're like, okay, there's you know the straight ahead thing in this little snippet of this modern piece. Mm -hmm. And that's a moment here where we're getting that where the 
with the saxophone and the trumpet trading horn trading like you know like players do on on blues tunes where they trade fours or eights in a rhythm changes you know that's a moment here um that's being expressed where the tradition is obviously present and there's just generally great ideas performed by both horns i want us to listen to it first just a little bit of it and then we'll discuss what's going on i think there's a lot of great stuff here Yeah. So there's a lot there in regards to the training itself. I think Lakeisha comes in hot and just immediately takes away the attention from the trumpet onto herself. You know, she snatches your attention, yep. which I think is a, is a great aspect of a great improviser. Um, and that's what she does. And she also kind of copies the trumpet player's last line and she builds off of it. Another moment of, of organic improvisation that, you know, is obviously kind of figured out in her practice but it's it's being used in such a way that it is so perfectly um musically appropriate and it connects everything before it you know it's like we've talked about passing the baton from one soloist to another but you know she takes that baton and and turns it into a wand um, or something else, you know, yeah. it's like a, it's like a whole different thing. So she, she definitely grasps your attention. She's great movement on the, on the full, on the horn, great flexibility. She's following the changes kind of very verbatim sometimes, you know, sh where she'll keep the rhythm, but she'll change the notes. And you especially heard that, you know, uh, in the middle of that snippet. Yeah. And I, the trumpet also delivers great. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to echo some of what you said. And one thing that you said that really stood out to me was the keeping the tradition in a more modern setting. And this song, it's not it's not like a straight ahead tune by any means. Right. Like this is Lakeisha's own, you know, flair and vibe to this tune. But we're getting we're getting that modern tradition or that sorry, that that tradition within jazz, the trading there and the way that they're playing. It's like very, you know, like we're still giving credit to the roots of jazz while doing it in a way that expresses, you know, Lakeisha is expressing herself in such a way. And the song is written in a very modern way, but it's, you know, there's still that tradition there. And I, I, I think that was a great point you made there, Max. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the great thing about this album and what Lakeisha offers um, this music and I was just going to add the trumpet delivers great energy and ideas too. also copies some of Lakeisha's ideas, which is also sort of in the tradition. Um, and Lakeisha 
just generally takes the cake on this one for me. I, I think what she delivers is is just very spot on. They go into a shout idea after that that follows the changes with the trumpet outlining longer tones that brings out the idea of voice leading, which is playing a note. Think about the one, three, five, seven, or nine, or what have you, that moves in close proximity to a note of the following chord. So connecting, you know, one note of one chord very close to the note of another chord and playing that idea. And that comes across super well when done chromatically. Um, so that's a great moment too. They slow down that ending shout section and it goes into a, a synth sound that ends up being the final sound of the track. And I'm not really digging the very, very end of this with that synthesizer sound. I kind of wish they had just faded it out here unless they were repeating that tag idea, actually. That seemed to work a little bit better. Um, but we can listen to that if you want to. It's just a little synthesizer sound that I don't think quite works that well. Before we uh, before we listen to that, did Max say he would prefer a fade out? <laughs> I think on this one, I would. Let's just let's just put that in the record books of the Jazz Jam podcast. If there's one thing we've learned on this podcast is that Max never prefers a fade out. So this is a this is a first in Jazz Jam podcast history. Let's listen to this ending and see why if it's if Max would prefer a fade out, there's got to be something <laughs> up. So let's listen to this ending and see what's going on with this. Yeah, I really would. You know, I had, <laughs> my, <laughs> I, I was like, is it over? I, when I listened to this song for the first time, I was like, is that it? Like, why'd they end it like that? But I mean, it, you know, it's different. It doesn't sound cool. But yeah, I was like, the first time I listened, I was like, is that the end of the tune? Okay. We've, sun we've suddenly been, been, I don't know, brought forth into an episode of Star Trek. Yeah. That's what I got. <laughs> That's We're what I got dropped from that off. <laughs> We're being dropped off at a jazz club in Star Trek. Um, there's also a track on the end of the Yellow Jackets record we went over um, that ends very similarly, where it's this weird synth spacey sound that ends it that doesn't really have much to do with what came before it. And I don't know. Maybe that's just the new thing to do here. I don't get it. Yeah, who knows? I mean, yeah, there are some things that just leave us are scratching our heads with some uh, modern jazz uh, decisions. So, but <laughs> let's leave yeah. let's leave that one where it is. It's a great tune, but yeah, just interesting uh, the end of it there. Let's get into the second track on the album, which is entitled "New Mornings," and this track starts out with rhythm section hits that continue through the the melody. And this melody is just a really soulful, we'll say this word a lot with Lakeisha, but a really soulful melody from Lakeisha. One thing that stands out to me a lot on this melody is the harmonies in the melody. I love really like good, nice sounding harmonies. And so that stands out to me here. And then this melody on the bridge, the entire group plays the bridge melody together, which I think is really cool. 
And then after the melody, we get into a trumpet solo that starts at 154, and it's a muted trumpet on this solo, and there's some really awesome rhythmic playing and soulful licks, but still we get the bop is is very present on this, so we're kind of talking about the tradition of jazz and, you know, bop, you know, and that kind of playing, so let's let's listen to a section of, of this solo and kind of hear what I'm talking about with that rhythmic playing, soulful licks, but still the, the bop in, infused into it. So this is 221 to uh, 240 here on New Mornings. Oh. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. That that moment reminded me of Dizzy Gillespie a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Especially with the muted trumpet sound. But at first, it's like very rhythmic. It's very. It's all very soulful, especially in the the groove of the the context of the song. But then you're that bop is still there. That's very dizzy. That's very you know early miles kind of thing. So yeah. And then we get Lakeisha takes the the next solo and she plays in a, a very similar fashion to the trumpet solo, which I really really enjoy and. Here, if we, as we've talked about, there's definitely a reverence for Train and her playing. So let's take a listen to, to how she kind of matches the trumpet's energy, and we get that kind of that Coltrane vibe in, in her playing here. So soulful. It's just it's so in oh. All right. So this is what came to my mind. John Coltrane plus Kenny Garrett plus plus Papa Lou Donaldson. I love that. Yeah, that is <laughs> yes. that's what I'm hearing there. Yes. Keisha. Yeah. And you know who another um kind of modern saxophone in the first track there are parts where some of her so- sound sounds a little bit you you know who Braxton Cook is, obviously. Sometimes Braxton Cook, he has a modern yeah, sound, yeah. but that kind of Kenny Garrett influence in Braxton's playing, I get some of the same vibes from him sometimes. Those very, he's not as much Coltrane influence, but that Kenny Garrett, like same similar influence I hear in him a lot. So sometimes when she's playing, her sound is similar to, to Braxton. Braxton sound a little bit to me, but that's a that's a I love that that little fusion there. All definitely the Coltrane and the and the Kenny Garrett, but I love the the Papa Lou there as, as well. I. I just said that because of how how soulful it is and how in the pocket it is. Yeah. I mean, maybe you could say Cannonball Adderley, maybe. That's a good um, one, too. Yeah. Maybe Kenny plus Cannonball plus Train is, is kind of what we're getting there. Yeah, yeah. But overall, I, I really, the one thing that stands out to me this on this track on New Mornings is the melody on this one. It reminds me of a melody from Christian Scott's tune Twin that we did um on his album, and now I'm gonna forget the name of the album. Um, Max, do you? Oh my god! <laughs> it's got a red cover. Yes. Uh, it's one of his. It's one of his most known albums. How do we not? We did it on the uh, podcast. So well, it's been a while since that episode. Yeah. What's it, the name of the album? We got Max. Max is researching it. Um, I uh, I'm trying to. Oh shoot. Um, yeah, but so it, it reminds me of that <laughs> melody, especially with the harmonies and kind of the, the blending. Go ahead, Max. 
the album is called Stretch Music. Stretch Music. Oh my gosh. Which, duh. Yes, Christian Scott fans are gonna. They're gonna. We're toast. We're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna hear it. That's a great album, but this this melody really reminds me of the tune Twin from that album. Kind of the the blending, the harmonies, um, and I really like both of both of those melodies a lot. So this is what sticks out to me, and just really nice solos here. And this one has a really cool ending, as kind of opposed to maybe the first track where they call kind of all end on the offbeat together. All in all, this is a, a really cool tune, Max. Do you have any any thoughts on, on this track? I have two things to say. Number one, well, I got three things to say. Uh-oh, so it's me... <laughs> mul- <laughs> multiplying. As I'm thinking He's got here. ten things to say. Yeah. Uh, number one, in general, it's a shorter track. And by shorter, I just mean it's five minutes as opposed to seven or eight or nine minutes. Yeah. But it's got everything you need. It's got a great drum drum groove. It's got a cool bass part. It's got a nice feel throughout the move. The uh, linear movement of the melody is a great aspect to the tune. Sometimes we musicians forget about melody. You don't have a song without the melody. Yeah. And they, you know, this is a great melody. And there's more to come in this album. I'm gonna keep talking about melody. So that's not the first thing. For the first time, you're gonna hear that. Um, or I should say it's not the last time. Uh, and there's one thing I want to point out about the bass part from Jamal Nichols. Um, I think we want to, I want us to listen to a little snippet of it. He's sometimes copying a rhythmic line from the melody on the latter part of the head. And then he's doing rhythmic hits alongside the rhythm section. And so he's kind of, um, conjoining or putting together multiple parts of the song to, create a bass part and i think that's a great aspect of this song and we should listen to that together yeah and that'll give us kind of a a a taste for the melody as well because we haven't really listened to it so yeah let's listen for what max is talking about in the in the bass there Yeah, it's very percussive. Yeah, yeah, it's very percussive. It's it's its own part, but it's getting a lot of um, aspect. You know, a lot of aspects of it are coming from other parts of the song. So yeah. I just love that about the bass part there on uh, the tune called New Mornings. And then we get a third track called Phoenix, which is the title track of the album. Um, this one composed by Lakeisha. And this has guest Georgia Ann Muldrow on this one. Um, it starts out with weird spaceship sounding synths. Um, and I would have liked if they started with vocals, then brought the synth sound in, but you know, they do it how they do it. Uh, I do like the African chanting or the vocal sounds we're getting on Phoenix. And I just think that synthesizer is just a little bit overdone at times. Um, did you have any thoughts on that on the beginning of this tune? What were you thinking? Yeah, it's very um very modern kind of synth driven feel here. And to me, it kind of feels like African spiritual music meets modern modern synth soundtrack music meets jazz. It's like this like 
really great fusion of like some different things. And those are probably all things that are influential to Lakeisha, you know, the African spiritual vibe, that modern, more synth sound in jazz and then jazz itself, the roots of jazz. So yeah, really cool kind of fusion there of, of those different ideas. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was getting at. And then we do get a melody at about the minute 25 mark. It's a seemingly noty melody that goes into a number of downward chromatic ideas and finishes with goose eggs, or, a.k.a. longer notes. Um, the alto saxophone solo starts at 2.30. She's, she begins strong, very intense. There's some nice themes that are created. Some cool staccato, yet still in the pocket articulation is used. Um, and that's referring to how she's playing the notes that are shorter. And there's also more of those doits where you move up the horn quickly with your fingers. Um, and uh, you also can use your lip when you move your lip up or in a sort of a sweeping motion alongside with the fingers. And that's where you get that doit uh, sort of effect. There's also some verbatim chromatic downward motion again, high note trills, repetition that's used quite nicely and in regards to her range she's all over the horn you know she's a master of her instrument which is you know you can't say that about every instrumentalist especially in in uh, in american music um there are ones who are real masters and ones who are trying to be but mm -hmm. she is a real master of her horn and they smoothly transition to a synth key solo I, i'm thinking this is georgia on the on the keys on the track and there's a lot of nice single lines used in her solo. She's great at what she does. I just have one question, Dwayne. And that is, what is the specific sound of the keys that are used here? Do you know? I I, I, I just wonder, like, what is that sound? Is there a name for it? Well, it is a so what you'd call a synthesizer. And so there's it could really be any synth. Like, there's all different kinds of brands of synths, from Moogs to Profits. Lots of synths that sound the same way, right? And um, But what you do is you can adjust the way that a synth sounds by using the oscillators, the filters, the cutoffs, all those knobs. Like if you see a Moog or a Prophet or any synth, it's got all these knobs on it, right? And you might be thinking, what the heck do those things do? So basically you have your synth sound and you have like a straight, you know, sine wave sound. And when you're playing the synth, you can adjust those knobs to kind of adjust the sound. So you can hear the keyboardist is adjusting those knobs, those oscillators, those filters, the cutoffs to alter the sound throughout the solo, which is really cool. And that's something that really great synth players do. You'll hear, you know, some of the guys on snarky puppy, Corey Henry and Sean, um, Oh my God, Sean Martin, uh, do, do that, that same kind of thing. So really it could be any synth, any brand of synth, but it is that, that, synthesizer it's not like a electric piano or a keyboard or anything it is a, a synthesizer okay yeah i just wondered um but that yeah no that that explains it and there's also a lot of nice sweeping motion of the keys that's accompanied by an uh a soli section that leads them out of the solo uh and i want to i want us to listen to that moment it's a great musical moment in the tune um, so we should just check that out just a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. She's all over the place. <laughs> but it's great. Yeah. They end right after that with the keys playing off of that uh, final sound. And this ending, the way they do it, is Max Levy approved, unlike that first track. <laughs> That's good. That's If you have the Max Levy stamp of approval, approval on an ending, then you know you've done something right. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Well, let's get into the next track on the album, which is entitled Mercy. Um, on this track, we're getting strings and cascading piano to start this one. And then Lakeisha comes in with a tag before a vocal melody. And we get some really cool arranging elements here. It kind of has like a, a movie soundtrack kind of vibe to it. Um, but it's not like really cheesy. Like you could feel that could feel cheesy sometimes in jazz when it feels like too much of like a, a soundtrack. This is like more so like a theatrical feel to it. Um, so I, I definitely enjoy the the kind of sound landscape that we're getting here. And I love the way that this tune ebbs and flows through the, the changes in the rhythm section. And then Lakeisha has a really nice solo as well as the the piano solo on this one. But what stands out to me on this tune is the scatting solo. And it feels like, um, which is a vocal solo, it feels like kind of a lost art. And we've talked about kind of the connection to the jazz tradition a little bit um already but it feels like that this is a, a prime example of that it's not something we we hear a lot in modern jazz so i want to listen to to part of that and kind of get an an idea um so scatting is like basically you're vocalizing a solo so it might sound like you're playing a a sax solo but you're you're kind of a vocalist is doing it so let's listen for that yeah so i just yeah i really enjoyed it's also i was go ahead yeah i just wanted to say it was also very yeah very fitting um with the vibe you know like a lot of scanning is uh sometimes very rhythmic and she's more flowing with her mm -hmm. scatting so it it's you're right that it's tradition, but it's also tradition in context of the song itself. And that's the great thing about these players and musicians and singers is they're they're in there and both following the tradition and in there in terms of what the song is asking for and what the, the more modern uh, aspect to the song songs are. You know, they're reflecting that in their in their performances. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I definitely I enjoy and that's kind of what we we had mentioned already is the the different guests kind of bringing different, you know, vibes and different unique things about each track. So that's definitely what we're getting here. Um, and there's a really awesome call and response with the vocalist scatting and and Lakeisha it, really cool there as well. And then we kind of get a, a retardando to, to end the song, which I think fits well. One thing I want to say about this track is it changes the the texture yeah. of everything yep. you know it, it's a great textural change um and and we get that from the mallets that are used on the toms you know that's a different sound yeah. um those cr also create different sounds on the on the uh cymbals on the drum cymbals we also get strings on this it's just a great change of pace and vibe and the vocals add so much Lakeisha is spot on with her instincts as a as an instrumentalist adding on top you know she's kind of like the icing on the cake here 
and it's a pretty tasty cake from what I'm getting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and this this album just feels like a, a journey, right? A musical journey through Lakeisha's experience, and we're kind of, at this point, it feels like we've been driving along, and we're kind of just starting to take a turn, take an exit, and we're in, you know going towards a different direction in the, the journey. So let's get into the next track. Let's see where it takes us next with the next track, uh, Jubilation, Max. This is a great one. This is a tune not by Lakeisha, but this one was written by Patrice Russian. If you don't know, Patrice is a Grammy-winning American pianist. She started playing piano at the age of, of three. So, you know, not out the womb, but almost. <laughs> I, I mean, as close as possible, really. Yeah. She's a multi, multi-instrumentalist and vocalist who's worked in both the jazz world and the R&B and pop worlds. Her music has been sampled extensively, including to the movie soundtrack to uh, Men in Black. And she has also served as music director of numerous television shows and the Grammy Awards. So Patrice Russian, one of the um, one of the ultimate uh, performers in the world of music and one of the, you know, kind of cultural stamps uh, that has placed a mark on the music uh, industry and a lot of things, you know, pertaining to instrumental and vocal music. So she's on this track performing as well on the, on the keys. This version of her tune Jubilation is uh, just a little bit different than previous versions by Patrice that I've heard. Um, Specifically, this version is a little bit slower and I think it grooves harder, though, at least when you compare it to the version on Patrice's album from 1975 called Before the Dawn. This tempo on Lakeisha's Phoenix album is much more pocket heavy and pocket driven, but it's not too slow either. It's, I think it's I think it's a great tempo. And this song Jubilation just has a great melody. This is another one where we need to kind of dissect the melody, in my opinion. So you know, we're going to go on a little journey here where we're going to do that. I think the composition and the structure of the head is very cool. It starts out like an introduction with an opening short motif played four times with a palate cleansing second idea. And then it goes back to the opening idea and repeats that second uh, cleansing destination idea four times. And then it goes into a melody. So the introduction itself is kind of complex but also simple at the same time. And I think that's a way to describe this whole head of the tune Jubilation. So let's just listen to that introduction first, and then we'll get into the melody. So that is the introduction. What'd you think? Yeah, I love it. It's such a change of pace. Like I said, we're taking an exit. We are taking an exit onto a completely different highway with this track. And so we started to, to turn in a different way on new or on uh sorry, on Mercy. And now we're we're just on a completely different journey here. So yeah, I love it. Also Lakeisha is spot on with the expression of the of the introduction there where she's adding the trill 
at the end of the phrases. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a great, you know, extra musical thing to do, trills. And then later on, she's going to add vibrato. So that brings me to the melody itself that comes right after that introduction, which is quite rhythmic and repetitive. It makes for a great head. It repeats a short idea eight times, then another idea four times. Um, so let's listen to the, just that part of the melody. One idea for eight, then another for four. And that trail again. Yep. All right, so that's the first part of the melody. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to go into uh, a longer note theme that lasts for four bars that's repeated four times. So that first part of the melody was a, a short one-bar idea repeated eight times, then another two-bar idea repeated four times. Now we're going to go into a four-bar idea that's repeated four times, with the last having an extended four bars tacked onto it to provide space and release. This is just magnificent melodic construction. So let's listen to that second part of the melody. Yeah, it feels like we're just growing. We're like building towards something that entire time. And then that final those that final 16 bars were like it feels like we've just we're really really getting towards something with the way that that line ascends and then has like a release and then repeats. It just feels like we've just we're setting the building blocks and then we're really growing somewhere. Absolutely. And what she does with expressing it, you know, you hear the trills on the first half of the melody, then there she's doing more vibrato on the longer notes and some grace notes. Mm -hmm. So all the, just just very cool saxophone things you can do, but you know, really she's just being a a spot on musician by, you know, adding elements to the music that make it speak even more. So that's one great thing about this melody. And it kind of goes on. Then the next little part uh, introduces the intro ideas again as a sort of outro or transition into the solos. So we sort of end the whole melody with the introduction. You want to listen to that? Yeah, let's do it. So I want us to listen to that 
just to round out the whole melody. And all in all, we're kind of getting the introduction, an A section, a B section, a C section, and an outro. And all that is the melodic form. But maybe not. Maybe that intro is the beginning of the actual head. And maybe it's an A, B, C, D, uh, A prime form. I don't think so. I think that first kind of section is the introduction. But, but you know, one could argue that it's the other way. It's A, B, C, D, uh, A prime. I don't know. Or A, B, C, A prime, I guess it would, yeah. is what yeah. it would be. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Do, do you think there's much of a difference do you care any thoughts on that i don't know maybe i'm spitballing um to me i guess either way you look at it doesn't really make that much of a difference it doesn't feel like we're really getting a melody per se in that first a section or you know it feels more like way more rhythmic which melodies can be way more rhythmic but it feels like we're really getting the melody when we get into that that second part that you had you had spoken of so i think either way you want to look at it, it's probably six one way a half dozen the other so it's just up to interpretation <laughs> but i see what you're talking about there with it feeling more of like an introduction to the tune yeah because it's more rhythmic usually introductions would be more of that you know something very simple but very catchy and so to me that's what that is that very beginning is, is an introduction all in all it's a master class in melodic composition um so that's melody is from Patrice, but the things Lakeisha is doing to add on top of it just makes it speak even more. And then we get, after all that great melodic, you know, production, we get a piano solo that begins with thematic development, reflecting the practice of how the melody is comprised. Again, treating the tune within the tune, treating your solo within the context of the tune. And Patrice Russian, another master at that. Let's listen to just a little snippet of, of, of that solo. Oh, and I one thing that stands out to me here is I love the way that like the development in this piano solo, I like how the start of the solo. This is exactly how you start a solo. Um, listen to how much room she's given to, like, given herself to grow into there with the way that she starts out. Just that very short phrase that feels very in tune with what's gone on in the melody. It, it all makes so much sense and it leaves so much room for growth. That is exactly how you start a solo. This is like a well paved section of a highway. Like, you know, there, there, there are those sections where you got <laughs> potholes and there's things in the road and there's cones out of place and you're like, where am I? And then you go on further down the road and it's just smooth pavement. It's, it's well-painted uh, new lines in the middle of the road. The cones are to the side of the highway. There's no trash in the, in the, in the road. That's what we're getting here is that section of the highway that's so well paved. We can always count on Max for some for, <laughs> for some imagery on the podcast, but I love that 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 <laughs> comparison you that's, make there. I think music well, is important yeah. the way that it it you know makes us feel different ways and so that's that's great Max. I I love that comparison there. Another great thing about the piano solo is the interaction between her left hand and her right hand. And that's really key to listen for as well. Um, the saxophone solo is also really great. Uh, she plays a line from the melody as a transitory pause in between the piano and the sax solo. I want to go back to um, 
what you said about the left and the right hand. I want us to listen before you get back into Lakeisha. Yeah, I want to listen to a, a little snippet of what you're talking. There's a really the left and the right hand interplay and the interaction is what stands out most to me in this piano solo. And there's really seamless transitions from using the left hand for chordal comping to like melodic interplay and mirroring with the like in conjunction with the right hand, which I think is just really awesome. It's really hard to do to go from like using like rhythmic chordal comping to going to like using it in conjunction with your so let's just listen to how well russian can do that can go from kind of using her left hand for one thing to using it to another here There's, her left hand is doing so many different things all at once. Like you hear it with the really rhythmic stuff to start, and then we get some comping, and then at one point we're like mirroring the right hand. It's just it's it's really brilliant. There's so much cool stuff going on, as Max alluded to with the the left hand there. I'm really glad you played some of it because it's really captivating. Um, you know, she's using the whole piano. You know, we've talked about piano players that don't necessarily do that, or you know, the great Oscar Peterson was really into the idea that you should use the whole piano. You should use actively your left and right hand mm -hmm. when playing the piano. And this this solo and what Patrice does would be Oscar Peterson approved. Yep, yep. Yeah, use that left hand there. You know, you've got two hands. Like, let's use them. Let's use them both <laughs> thoughtfully. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that completely, Max. And then we get Lakeisha Benjamin killing it on the alto, in my opinion. There's lots of soulful interplay with the harmony and repetition used quite nicely. Her articulation and style match perfectly with the song's characteristics. She has great dexterity. Here's a moment of it I want us to listen to together. Listen for a great phrasing, the articulation, which is how she's playing certain notes, uh, you know, shorter, longer. Um, what is she doing to the notes? And listen to the vet, the development of her solo. You know, that is superb articulation. Um, it's and it's phrased really well. Again, one thing connects swiftly into the next. Yep. That's a definitely a section where I get like, you know, some similarities between her and Braxton's playing. That kind of more modern, mm -hmm. really soulful, really that Kenny Garrett kind of in, in infused sound. So yeah, that's that's a great section there. It's just it's all so it feels so good when it's coming from Lakeisha. I, I love it. Absolutely. She then plays the same idea after her solo uh, that came after the keys solo. And then they go back into the introduction part of the head, uh, which is used here as the outro to close out the track. And all in all, this is a superb track. You cannot doubt that. I mean, th this is a, just a great example of uh, melodic construction, improvisation, ways to use your instrument, uh, phrasing development, 
soulful playing the list goes on i mean this is just a great track yeah i completely agree it's awesome we're getting a lot in patrice russian here it really adds a lot on on this track well let's get into the next uh track on the album um it is a song but it's a little different like we talked about getting you know so many different guests and different things going on here um the next song is called peace is a haiku song and we're getting a lot of imagery here. We talk about Max with his imagery. Lakeisha's giving us some of her <laughs> own imagery. Um, we get like a phone ringing and it sounds like a, a scene from a movie here. Um, and we get the bass and then some some spoken word. This really takes me back to maybe like a Gil Scott Heron kind of vibe with the bass and the spoken word. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing that's said here um, in the monologue is... The earth indoors and will always take care of us if we allow it to survive. I thought that was a, a pretty impactful thing. Um, there's a lot of different things, sentiments said here, but I think that that's interesting. Is like, you know, you were living on this earth and it'll take care of us. It'll give us the resources we need if we let it, you know, if we take care of the earth and, and each other. So I, I that's one thing, one phrase from from this monologue that uh, that I really that stuck with me and I like how it takes shape as a, a phone call. That's really a monologue. Like Lakeisha answers the phone, but then it's just all monologue, this haiku about, about peace and about the earth and about everything. So Max, what are your thoughts on, on this, uh, this track? That's maybe not so much a, a, a tune as much as a spoken word monologue with jazz background. What do you think? I think it's used as yes, it, it's, it is obviously sort of spoken poetry with uh with a bass playing in the background i think it's used kind of more like a transition yep. because the next track is using you know this haiku song in it to begin it and it's so it's kind of used in a lot of different ways yes it's a monologue haiku about peace but it's also used as sort of a transition into the next musical journey that we're going to take called blast um I, I, I agree with you that there's some really awesome um, lines in this, spoken word lines. There's one thing I can't get over, and <laughs> I was I, I was uh, not sure if I wanted to bring it up. But I just want to say there's one line in here that not only confuses me, but frightens me. And that is the line, quote, no arguments allowed. So what she's doing is, um, and I think this is Sonia Sanchez. Yep. She's uh, just kind of at that moment in the monologue or in the spoken uh, poet or poetry, she's kind of giving examples about how to acquire peace. So I, I can see where she's coming from when, when she says no arguments allowed, because when you argue, sometimes you get heated. Um, it becomes, you know, the opposite of peaceful. Uh, you become really tense and so forth and so on. I just I fundamentally don't necessarily see that as a way to gain peace. I think arguments are an extension of free thought. I mean, I can imagine when arguments have been, um, you know, you know, uh, not um, inspired or influenced or, or thought as a, as a good idea. You know, you think about communist Russia, you think about the USSR, the Chinese Cultural Revolution, Nazi Germany, Cuban dictatorship, the list goes on, where you know, it, where if, you, if you're not with us, you're against us. And I and I, to me, a part of freedom is the ability to argue with one another in order to create a better environment for each other. And I 
I just have a personal qualm with that one little line in there about, you know, about no arguments allowed. Yeah, and I, I definitely see what where you're coming from. I'm gonna play devil's advocate here just for um just to do it. I think that maybe, you know, there's a difference between arguing and between like open minded like discussion, right? And I think that that's one thing that we see a lot of times like today is people aren't willing to be open minded and talk to each other about things so i think that's definitely something that we see a lot of times and especially with like technology and people get on twitter and they're just people are just arguing in a sense and not really open to what other people are seeing and so i think that maybe what she's getting at here is like we have to stop arguing and not being able to see each other's perspectives in life you know like we're just arguing like so maybe that's you know but i do agree that like we have to be able to we have to be able to talk to each other and we have to be able to disagree with other people. And that has to be okay. Right. That's, that's just a part of life. Like we're not always going to think the same things. Um, but maybe what she's getting at is no arguing allowed. Like we're not, let's not bicker and we got to be, we got to understand each other more. Maybe that's the angle that she's taken. Um, rather than just like everyone has to see the same way. You know, I, I don't think that that's a, a good thing. Yeah, no, I, I think what you say is 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 right and spot on. I, I just the word allowed is scary to me. No arguments allowed. So yeah. you're trying to you're trying to dictate what I say and what I think and what I feel and yada yada. But you know, that's that's a personal thing that I have to deal with. It has nothing to do with Sonia or Lakeisha. Yeah. Or you. Yeah, yeah. And so I mean I do one thing I do like is that Lakeisha's not afraid to like put out these statements and how she feels and and no matter how you feel i'm all for someone being able to say this is how i feel these are my thoughts on the world and i'm gonna express that through the lens of jazz music i definitely appreciate her doing that and so you know whether you completely agree with what sonia's saying here or not i do respect the the just putting it out there putting out how you feel and putting you know it through her lens so absolutely and i and i applaud them for that and it makes a statement you know uh, and there's a lot in this haiku. It's not just that line. There's a lot of great things in it. And again, it's used as a transition to the next tune yep. called Blast. And I think this tune, Blast, is another excellent track on this album. It begins as a sort of extension from the haiku piece, as I mentioned. We start with a marching tempo, and there's an obvious snare drum indicating that march idea with some lines from Sonia's haiku that are repeated. And then they move and transition into a melody. How'd you like that sort of marching tempo style that we get here? I love that march kind of feel. It's really like I get the vibe that a march has ensued that's motivated by the haiku that we just listened to. Like we've right. heard that that's been put out in the air and we've all heard it. And now we're, we're marching for, a, for, you know, for a purpose, which I think is, is great. And I love just the March feel that we get in the song. It really reminds me of the tune blues March by the jazz messengers in a way, not like exactly verbatim, but just like that kind of March four on the floor, very straight feel. Um, yeah, I just, it really reminds me of that. And I think it's a, a cool take on, on this tune. Yeah. And then we get the head that starts out with a motif played four times, and then it goes into the opening snare drum feel again, where Lakeisha kind of starts to solo. 
And I'm loving what Lakeisha does in front of this introduction feel of the tune with the drone-like repetitive piano that's going on. And then they go into a real melody and then into a saxophone lengthened solo, you know, a full solo here. Um, and I got to say, I've been loving this saxophone solo for the past three months. <laughs> I've, probably, I've probably just listened to this saxophone solo, gosh, I don't know, 30 times maybe. Um, you know, I just go to the track, then I go right to where the solo is, and I just listen <laughs> to that solo. So uh, this is a great solo from Lakeisha. We get a lot of soul here. Lakeisha plays around with space that is very interesting, and she's very innovative in how she does it. And she's doing it in a lot in a lot of feel-good ways. And uh, Lakeisha Benjamin also uses a lot of repetition in very interesting ways, too. I want us to listen to a couple snippets. Here's the first one. Um, try to feel the space and the thematic creation that's developed here, and it feels so great. Right. So there it's like, okay, that in and of itself made a statement. You know, yeah. it's like we're making one statement after another statement after another statement in a lot of different ways. We got spoken word. We got different textures on different instruments. We got statements made from our improvisations. And this is just one of those dynamite moments where that happens. And then what comes immediately after is what really hits me deep down she gives us pocket and groove and spirit immediately right after that let's check out these nine glorious seconds mm. what do you have to say to that i, almost, I mean i almost said a cuss word i, I... <laughs> <laughs> oh just the she way said she it. plays. There's it. nothing to say. She said it. <laughs> she said it. You can't say anything after that. I mean, she said more in those nine seconds than many people have said in nine hours. It's crazy how great that was. And and how feel, you know, everything is is feeling so in the pocket and soulful and it's purposeful. Every little thing she's doing is purposeful there, and that's hard to pull off. Um, she also continues to use repetition to her advantage with the creation of short themes with moments of longer notes, and her solo builds also really well. This is a lesson in soloistic development and how one can grow in intensity with drive and destination, and I want us to listen to the latter portion of her solo here. Um, it's almost the last minute of it. Yeah. Uh. 
the you know we've talked about the ways in which players will use repetition in different interesting ways you know we talked about joe henderson doing that i mean great cats come to mind but i think lakeisha is doing that here she's using repetition in a way that you don't even really notice necessarily that she's doing that where she's just kind of repeating an idea almost verbatim but it doesn't seem like she's doing that because of how well she's moving it into the next idea and maybe what she does you know to express it with trills grace notes um you know some growling uh or just some soulful aspects to what she's actually verbatim playing on the instrument yeah i mean just to reiterate what Max said, this solo is just so incredibly good. The soulful blues chops, the repetition, the development within the entire solo, and just the connection to the music and the rest of the band. Everything in this solo is is spot on. There's so much that she's doing right. It's hard to even point out all of everything that Lakeisha's doing so well here. Exactly. I just can't get enough. Um, she also really tapers off nicely with those repeating notes, too. We're really listening to excellence here, and some people will just not even get it. You know, they're all about how many how many licks can I throw in? How many uh, ex- harmonic extensions can I express that may not even fit with what's going on around me? Um, Lakeisha's not doing that. She's not going down that rabbit hole of BS. And if I wanted to curse, I would, but I'm not going to. <laughs> she's she's doing what she's <laughs> she's doing what's right what fits and what feels good. And um, it's just so honest and organic and impactful to me. Uh, This is a great solo from Lakeisha on the tomb blast. Um, I just can't get enough. And then they go back into the head after the solo. There's snippets of Sonia's poem in the background. They slow down the last repetition of the melody. And Lakeisha adds some lingering last notes to the last chord before a final cymbal crash to end it. Another classy ending on this track, Blast. Yeah, a classy ending to it. A certainly great tune. Um, really cool. But let's let's move ahead into the next tune, which is entitled Moods. Um, we get a sax melody and rhythmic hits from the rhythm section on this in the A sections. And then we get kind of a, in my opinion, a night in Tunisia feel on the bridge here. And then we get really heavy hit and swing when we get to the sax solo. Lakeisha's just all over the horn. She's showing us her full range and capabilities. I get a lot of that Coltrane influence here from her playing. Max, I was going to ask if you feel the same way when you listen to her. Um, not to say it's a bold statement for someone who's influenced by Train. I think we, I think I already know the answer. She's definitely influenced by by Coltrane. I'm, <laughs> I'm really getting it here um, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, you don't need me to answer that question. Yeah, I don't, uh, it was in there, but I think we've I think we've answered that well enough already. Yeah, and and she she uses that influence in a lot of different ways. I mean, verbatim, she has a uh, an album, I think that is dedicated to John and Alice Coltrane. Pursuance, I think is what it's called. May mm-hmm. not be, but she but she had a record from twenty twenty, I believe, that you know was very much Coltrane influenced. And so that comes out in her playing in different ways, and that's certainly here in the tune moods. Yeah, and then we get uh, a trumpet solo that brings some of the same all over the the horn energy, which is great to keep the song driving and keep the energy moving throughout the song. And then there's this really cool rhythm section solo section, which is just as a rhythm section, my my 
a rhythm section player myself, I'm, I'm really all here for it. It kind of serves as a, a drum solo, but it's just a, a really cool section all in all. So I want us to, to listen to some of that, that here on this track. into the melody i i just think that's so cool with those rhythm section hits and the drum solo just kind of a rhythm section feature there absolutely and it's i'm sorry to to say that uh this is i think the only drum solo on the record yeah i'm pretty sure yep. and that's unfortunate because it's it's ej strickland great drummer great moment there as a for a solo you know there's some bashing going on some elvin jones-esque ideas but not solely you know there's a lot of different influences there um but yeah that is a great moment on that track yeah and then the head out is the same as the way in and pretty standard ending to this one so not anything super wild hopefully max isn't su super upset with this ending here i am not no <laughs> You, you'll know it when I am. Yeah, well, yeah. There's, he's not afraid to tell us. Uh, there's also a great alto, you know, that alto solo screaming, too, on moods. Um, so great stuff from Lakeisha, too. And then we get the ninth track called Rebirth. Uh, and this is a, another moment where I think we're getting some textural change. This one composed by Lakeisha. It's got a tranquil feel. It's a 3-4 time signature with an 8-bar piano intro three 12 bar sections in aab form if you will more or less and because of that we're getting more of a straight ahead feel here on rebirth and it's a little bit more directly influenced from the tradition um we also get a piano solo that comes in first with nice easy motion uh great right hand single lines used some left hand accompaniment too but not too much um and then a great saxophone solo too enters in after that lots of rhythmic interplay there's moments of pause and release tension and release uh performed by the use of space before going into some coltrane-esque ideas some moments of kenny garrett here too very cool repetitive trills that help develop the intensity of the solo that moves well into the higher register of her horn um, i want us to listen to that together just some great stuff from lakeisha Yeah. I get a lot of uh the the Coltrane vibe there, but there's even there's a snippet even earlier in the saxophone solo that I want us to listen to where I get a really heavy McCoy Tyner John Coltrane vibe. And so I want us to listen to a section that's just a little bit before that section and kind of get that that Coltrane quartet kind of feeling. Thank you. 
Yeah, this just oh, it's so that's so. If I didn't know any better, I'd be like, man, is that from a, a Coltrane recording? You know, like <laughs> if I didn't know any better, I might think that. It's pretty close. I mean, part of that reminded me almost exactly of Train on Soprano. Yes. And the Coltrane Quartet. Yes. When he's, you know, there that was what I was hearing. It's like McCoy Tyner. My favorite things, Soprano. soprano. Yes. Yeah, some of that. Yeah, uh, that's that's what I was hearing there. Um, but yeah, you're right. A great moment, another great moment from Lakeisha. She also does a lot of screaming right after that. Um, that comes you know, where she uh, juxtaposes that and comes down in her solo and they end with the saxophone soloing with lots of added interactions from the sax on this one on the final chords accompanied by the piano flourishes. And there's some nice cymbal playing from the drums on this ending too. So I want us to listen to that snippet together. Um, Just more great stuff from Lakeisha and the gang. Yeah. Yeah, you don't you don't know when she's actually going to end it, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is definitely a, a Max kind of ending here. This sounds like uh how Max Max would do an ending. So I know this one's Max approved. Spot. Yeah, spot on. You got it. This Certified is Max fresh. <laughs> That's right. And then speaking of Train, we get the next track on the album entitled Train. Dwayne, what were you thinking about this this tune? Well, if we had any doubt in our mind that Coltrane is an influence and that there's a, a reverence for his playing, I mean, it's right here in our face with this this track entitled Train. Um, starts out with a cadenza with the entire group moving through the chord progression together, and then the piano comes in to set the tempo and the bass and drums kind of follow in behind. We get some more modern licks fused with some bebop chops from Lakeisha here, and this really reminds me of like some of that Braxton Cook mixed with the Coltrane inspired ideas here. So the song goes back and forth between this modal rhythmic section and this swing section, which is really cool. And it makes sense. Train makes sense as the, the title here with kind of that modal feel and the, the swing feel there. Um, and the piano solo is good with great use of the left and right hand and different ideas. The left hand reminds me of the McCoy Tyner kind of modal um, stacked fourth left hand uh, I uh, feel. So let's listen to to how that's kind of emulating that the McCoy Tyner feel there. Mm. And then after the piano solo, they dig into the that modal train feel, and Lakeisha really digs a little bit farther um, than before in in this section of of this track.
Yeah, yeah. So if you hear like the bass is just staying on the root, it's not moving. There's not they're not really going through a chord progression. It's just that kind of really like modal, you know, feel there from from the group. Yeah, and there's some really nice unexpected things at the right moment. You know, like when Lakeisha is doing her thing, doing the train thing, and then she all of a sudden goes da 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 da. You know. That was like, whoa, that was a moment. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, and it's those sort of inventive ideas that match so well with the vibe or the feel of the tune. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's perfect. And it's hard to say perfect when we're talking about <laughs> playing music. But there it's perfect. Yeah. Um, and this is all in all an ode to John Coltrane. Yep. And it's kind of like Lakeisha has a personal relationship with Train. You know, it's like mm-hmm. when we when we transcribe certain players, when we try and grab language from certain musicians, and we really engage with the people we're listening to, you know, that's why we always ask each other, what are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Because the goal is to um, not only be influenced by different great musicians, but to have aspects of their personhood in our production of music and lakeisha has done that she's gained certain personalities or well not personalities but characteristics of john coltrane the person in addition to licks on the saxophone that influence her and her music and that's what we do when we transcribe somebody eventually we transcribe a person enough to where we go that next level and we're in the spirit of john coltrane we're in the spirit of Sonny Rollins. We're in the spirit of Ben Webster, the spirit of Duke Ellington, yada, 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 the list goes on. Spirit of Oscar Peterson. And that's what Lakeisha has done and continues to do. Yeah, and one thing I love about Lakeisha is there's such a reverence for Coltrane, but it's not like she's just sounds like a Coltrane. She's not just trying to copy what John Coltrane would do. Right. She's not trying to sound exactly like him. She sounds like Lakeisha Benjamin, but there's so much influence in her playing. And you get it from Coltrane. And we, like we said, we hear that Kenny Garrett influence a lot too. So it's just awesome to hear her express herself through the lens of all of her inspirations and the, the people that she spent so long listening to and being inspired by. Exactly. She, she's doing Lakeisha, you know, she's doing herself, but at the, the same time, you can tell you know, what has ultimately grasped, uh, her, her musical aura. Um, and that is definitely partly due to the great Sean Coltrane. And there's some Alice Coltrane in there too, as well. Um, which we may get into another time. Then we get another track, the 11th track. That's a little different. And this one features the great Wayne shorter, just doing some spoken word. And there's a lot of electronic and synth sounds. It's very modern, very different. Um, you know, it's like when we were on the well-paved highway, we're taking an exit that goes in a very different direction. So we're on an exit of the highway, um, here with this track called supernova. And this is featuring the great Wayne shorter. Uh, there's also a lot of delay and other effects used very, you know, electronically produced. I would say there's also some cool long notes produced by the trumpet that are used here quite nicely that bring in the alto saxophone on top to create a smooth lingering horn line. And they play these goose egg ideas at a ballad tempo. And then it just sort of fades out. 
So it's a very short track, I think a minute and 20 seconds or something um, called Supernova that it's a, uh, it's very artful. Um, I would say a couple of things. Number one, I think the horns were really adding a lot when they came in. And I think the tune ended way too soon. Either don't have the horns in at all or have the track go on a minute longer and have the horns take it a different place and then bring in a, a little snippet of Wayne Shorter's spoken word at the very end or something. That's what I would have done to, to, to just tweak this track, Supernova, just a little bit. What do you think about it? Yeah, I think it's great to have Wayne featured on this track, especially like now, like with his passing recently, kind of just get a little bit of Wayne's legacy in this album, which is great. And his spoken word is is impactful um, here to me, him talking about how we see each other and how we treat each other. Um, just some themes that are very thought provoking on, on this album. So I definitely appreciate that here. But this definitely does feel like more of an interlude of sorts than necessarily a song in itself. I really wish that it could have turned into something maybe a little bit more developed where we get Wayne playing a solo, like doing some spoken word, playing a little bit. And, you know, like Max said, maybe some spoken word on the way out. But it definitely seems to function more of as an, an interlude than it does really uh, a feature on the, the album. I think that I think that's a great way to look at it. it, it it's like a, a, a I don't know, a, a short paragraph of a bigger paper. Yeah. Um, and that paragraph takes us to the last track on the album called, I think, Basket, spelled B-A-S-Q-U-I-A-T. Basquiat. Basquiat? He's a, yeah, he was a, a famous uh, painter, and he was a very uh, avant-garde, like, painter. So the, the way that this track, this track is a, a free jazz feature, which kind of makes sense if you know, if you're familiar with Basquiat and some of some of his paintings. Um Definitely some really cool stuff. He was from New York, I believe, on um, Basquiat was. But, um, yeah, so this one, we get a free jazz feature to end an album. And I guess uh, at this point, I'm going to have to keep this in mind because it might be the only way to end an album is a free jazz tune. It seems like every modern album we've listened to, it's just been free jazz to end, which is... You know, it is what it is. But this one's a little different. This one, I, I definitely enjoy this one. There's a sense of time and tonality here, certainly, more so than some of the other free jazz features. Um, I like the way the melody is played well together by the trumpet and the saxophone. And we get some really nice blues ideas from Benjamin at the beginning of her solo. I really like how the freeness and the openness allowed here is allowed here, but we keep within the realm of musicality and togetherness. So we're free, it's free jazz, but we're still staying together in the same the same universe and on this track so i definitely i like that and i really like on this one how they get into a double time field during uh lakeisha's solo at one point and i like how lakeisha kind of she leads them into that and it feels like she kind of forces the issue a little bit like she just repeats the same double time idea until the band has no choice but to join into that the double time feel so i want to listen to to that section where lakeisha's kind of uh doing the double time thing and the whole band is like, all right, all right, we get it. We're, we're, we're coming. So let's, let's listen to, to that, that section of the track. Thank you. 
Yeah. So she kind of forces yeah. the issue there. Like, I'm going to keep doing it until someone someone falls along. Yeah, it's like she she started the car and and backed out the driveway, and then everybody else came running out the door and was like, all right, wait for us. We're coming. <laughs> Max does it again. I love That's a good one. Though. They're like, she's like, I'm leaving with or without you, you know? Exactly. Oh. Get, in the da- get in the dang car. We're going into double time here. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's good. But then there's a really nice transition of the, the double time and back into the melody. And f- for... The melody for a free jazz melody, I think it's actually super meaningful and impactful. Um, some free jazz melodies don't really speak to me. They feel, I mean, I guess it is what it is with free jazz, but this one actually feels like it has, it, it means something to me. So I, I really like it. And there's a really solid ending here, in my opinion, with a sting at the end. So I, I enjoyed that. Max, what do you think about our, our now becoming typical free jazz uh, ender to this album? Well, I think it's another instance of a, of a, stamp of presence with terry lynn carrington as the producer because that's exactly how she ended her album new standards volume one but there are also other modern albums newer albums everyone (laughs) it seems that way i mean emmanuel wilkins right and long gone with joshua redmond wasn't that a free jazz end too no 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 they ended oh yeah, yeah 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 but there is a free jazz but it's not at the end of that one okay yeah yeah okay yeah, there's well, there's some stuff in that Joshua Redman <laughs> album. <laughs> Not too. Go great. back to that one to listen to it. If you, yeah, we won't we get into some, it. Yeah, we have some stuff to say on that one. But here, I think this one works just a little bit better than the other examples. This is more Ornette Coleman esque, where we're still getting walking bass, we're still getting the swing feel. Um, we're going in and out of double time. There's more of the tradition here that's used very very well i mean very well done here um from lakeisha and the band i i I think this one just works really well and it's not that long either you know some of the other examples of free jazz that have come out lately just go on for so so long like 36 minutes long almost almost well that's the the emmanuel wilkins one right i don't think it was 36 but it was almost it was like (laughs) we have to google that one yeah um but yeah i mean that was just ridiculous and uh here they actually are listening to each other and are engaging with one another and are playing things that make sense with what the other one is playing uh hence your example of going into double time as the soloist was alluding to so they you know they're listening to each other and that's a great thing and that's a great thing when it's done well within the realm of free jazz um so so this is a great example of that uh on on this tune and and i think this one works well and we get some tradition here there's some blues here as you alluded to there's some slap tonguing too more expressive ideas and developments on the saxophone from lakeisha benjamin that you can't get everywhere my apologies Uh, the final track lift is uh 26 minutes on um (laughs) okay uh, don't worry everybody it was only 26 minutes not 36 minutes geez get it right yeah oh man so yeah it's refreshing to have in my opinion i don't know i'm this song speaks to me a lot more in the the free jazz realm um than maybe some other ones even you know i i like rounds and um ambrose akimusery i definitely like that feature on New Standards Volume 1, but this one's the one out of those three, the more modern free jazz ones that's that's spoken to me the most. So, Absolutely. 
All right. You want to do our top threes and our not so hot? Yeah, I'll go ahead. I'll do uh, the my top three first, and I'll let you do your um, your overall ratings first. So my top three and my not so hot. Uh, my number one on my top three is is Blast, and I think it's just that saxophone solo that Max was raving about. How can you not like that's prime Lakeisha? Yeah, it's so good. And then second on mine is Train. I just love I love that track. It feels it puts me like we're talking about the tradition. A lot of this album has a very modern feel and sound to it with like kind of the reverence for the tradition this song is just feels like it could be from the 50s 60s so i i love train i love everyone's playing the solos the piano on it everything's so good with it and then my third track on my top three is gonna be new mornings i just really love the melody on that one i think melody writing is super important and i just love the harmonies and the melody there and so that track it's one that kind of gets stuck in my head so i it's you know one that i definitely think is is suitable to be in a, a top three and then mine not so hot, and it's just because, I don't know, it just doesn't give as much, and it's not really even a song necessarily, is Supernova. Um, I just feel like they could have done more with it, even still featuring. I don't want to take Wayne out of it at all, but maybe um, feature him a little bit more in a different way. So that's my not so hot. Yeah, and you make some good points there. My top three tracks are, number one, Blast. It was a blast to listen to. Har, har, har. <laughs> All right. And then number two, Jubilation. Melodic construction, melodic construction, melodic construction. I mean, if you want a, if you want a lesson in how to build a melody, check out Jubilation. Also, how to build a solo, check out Jubilation. Mm-hmm. Also, how to listen to each other when you're soloing Jubilation. Also, uses of repetition <laughs> when soloing Jubilation. <laughs> <laughs> I could go I could go on, but I was I will. wondering how many more also as we're getting. <laughs> Number three on my top three is train. Get it? The train track. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> There's so much in there, and you're right. It's just like 1963 John Coltrane Quartet. 1964 John Coltrane Quartet. Um, so much in there. The not so hot to me is obvious. I think you're right. It's Supernova, which is unfortunate because that features the late great Wayne Shorter, who is an ultimate legend in this music. Um, I think his part in it is great. I just wish there were more horns or less horns. It's in this weird somewhere in the middle where there's just a weird amount of horns that come in and you're like, okay, we're going somewhere. And then nope. It's like the shortest train track you've ever come across. That's what that is like, Supernova. So um, definitely the not so hot on this album, but all in all, just a superb album. And with that, I would also like to say I would have some honorable mentions. The tune Moods, the tune Mercy, and the tune New Mornings are all great in their own right when you think about melody and soloistic development. Yeah, I definitely agree with those honorable mentions. One being in my my top three, so obviously there. Um, well, let's get into let's close it out with our, our overall thoughts and our rating as we do with every album. Um, kind of a synopsis of how we feel about the album and where we'd rate it. And you can see on our website, which is really great. Go to our website; it's linked in the bio. You can see how our power rankings of all the episodes, all the albums we've ever done. You can see how everything is rated. Um, what we'll do is we'll each rate it and we'll average our score out to give it a jazz jam score. So, Max, go ahead with uh with your overall thoughts and then give us your your rating for this album 
I think Lakeisha Benjamin is a refreshing presence on the scene today. Her latest release, Phoenix, is a musical journey that provides us a glimpse into her influences, mind, and musicianship. Lakeisha has an incredible ability to grasp attention at the sound of her alto saxophone. Everything she expresses is impactful and purposeful. Much of the music here packs a seriously captivating punch. Lakeisha is accompanied by an array of both well-seasoned and up-and-coming stars. Terry Lynn Carrington produces this album, recreating many concepts and approaches expressed through her own Grammy-winning album, New Standards Volume 1. This is evident from the tinge of social justice included in the first track, American Skin, as well as other signs of that sentiment sprinkled in a few other numbers. The inclusion of many guest artists is another similarity between the two records. On Phoenix, we get a varied cast that express a mix of artistic output in addition to instrumental music, including poetry reading, vocalizations, and spoken word. It is a bright spot to see legendary saxophonist Wayne Shorter, who just passed not too long ago, providing spoken word on the tune Supernova, even though I think that track sounds a little bit incomplete. Diane Reeves delivers great vocals on, Mer on Mercy, while Georgia Ann Muldrow creates tasteful and interesting keyboard accompaniment on the tune Phoenix. Patrice Russian is also included here, playing piano on her own composition entitled Jubilation. Sonia Sanchez provides powerful poetry on Pieces A Haiku Song and the tune Blast. Speaking of the song Blast, I think Lakeisha's innate musicality is in particularly grand form on this song. She takes us on a soulful and spiritual roller coaster. I think Minute Marker 219 to the four minute mark is a masterpiece. Lakeisha says more in the solo than some artists will say in a lifetime. Other tunes like New Mornings, Moods, and Rebirth also feature superb solo improvisation, while also proving to illustrate Lakeisha as a fine composer. I wish trumpeter Josh Evans gave us a little bit more confidence on his melody during the head on the tune Moods. Unfortunately, he's not really matching Lakeisha's energy, yet he does deliver more spot-on playing as that track continues. Drummer E.J. Strickland is also featured well on that very same tune. His solo is a nice touch that works to build the song's energy, driving its journey. On another note, both Jubilation and the tune Train are superb tracks. Patrice Russian's melody on Jubilation is a masterclass in melodic creation, while Train provides yet another ode to the cold trains from Lakeisha. It is fairly clear from her previous releases, in addition to her current technique and approach, that both John and Alice Coltrane are present in her sound. The tune Basquiat delivers a more fun, Ornette Coleman-esque vibe. While it is certainly a form of free jazz, we get interesting, wide-ranging ideas from Lakeisha, accompanied with a walking bass in the swing and rhythm section. The inclusion of a free jazz number to conclude an album seems to be the practice these days, despite the fact that I'm getting tired of it already. Lakeisha Benjamin is in fine form on her latest release as a leader. It is clear she cares about the music. Her experience and musicality are undeniable, as she seems to lay it out all on the table. Her music has groove, swing, inventiveness, development, substance, and purpose. She is beyond a treat to listen to, and I'm looking forward to seeing where she goes from here. My overall score is an 8.4 out of 10. Yeah, Max, I think you make 
a lot of great points there. Honestly, all the great points. Uh, you really that's that's like the overall thoughts of the of the year on the podcast. Um <laughs> I just yeah, you, so I'm going to go over my overall thoughts. I didn't write as much because like Max basically said it all and like I'd just be repeating a lot of what Max said. But um I think that Phoenix is a pleasant reminder that Jazz today has not fully dissociated with its past and the great before. Lakeisha leaves us with a true impression of herself and her music in this mature and thoughtful recording. Benjamin really has a story to tell, and it's in a way that's so spiritually connected. Her playing is truly captivating, and she has a truly unique ability to reach deep into her soul in a way that's reminiscent of greats such as Coltrane, Garrett, and Sonny Rollins. There are many great guest appearances and even some guest monologues that keep things fresh and unique. Each track on the album is unique and has a lot to offer from the scene setting, social justice forward opener, American Skin, to the soulful, hard-hitting tunes such as Train and many in between. Patrice Russian's appearance on her own team, Jubilation, stands out to me amongst many of the guest appearances on the album. Lakeisha impresses in many ways on Phoenix. The compositions are unique and interesting. Her playing is refreshingly connected and soulful in a modern landscape that seems to sometimes prefer the more light and reserved saxophone sound. This is a, certainly a coming-of-age album for Lakeisha Benjamin and an early contender for Jazz Instrumental Album of the Year. And so for that reason, I give it an 8.5 out of 10, bringing our overall Jazz Jam score to an 8.5 out of 10. And so, Max, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us about what we're getting into on the the next episode? Now that we're back and we're we're grooving, um, what do you what do you have for us for for next week for our our kind of classic al- uh, album? Well, it's just great to be back doing what we're do here on the Jazz Jam podcast, and we're gonna you you know we're gonna go back and forth between classic albums and newer albums, and because Wayne Shorter is featured on this album, Phoenix doing some spoken word. And because of his passing, he's a legend of the music. We're going to do a Wayne Shorter album next. And that is his album entitled Speak No Evil. Um, There's a lot of heavy hitters on that record, too. We got Ron Carter and Herbie Hancock, Elvin Jones. I think Freddie Hubbard is on that one, too. Um, And it's classic Wayne Shorter. You know, one of the great things about Wayne is his compositions. He's a great composer, or unfortunately was, but his music lives on even if he's not with us in this realm of existence. Um, so we have his music to, to to listen to and check out. And there's a great story of him with Miles Davis when he was playing with Miles Davis's group where Wayne Shorter would write down ideas in a little black book. And so some of the tunes that he recorded with Miles came directly from that little black book. And he brought that on the first recording, which was a success because they used some of his tunes. And then on the next recording session, Miles told him, bring the black book. (laughs) (laughs) He said, bring the little book or bring the book. And so from then on, Wayne Shorter used that book to, you know, to, to write more tunes that feature Miles Davis and other greats as well and his own stuff too. So who knows all the little ideas that was in that little black book of Wayne Shorter's, but, um, we know about some of them because they became ultimate, uh, uh, you know, foundational recordings of jazz music. So some of those come from his album, Speak No Evil, which we're going to get into. Yeah, and I'm super excited to um, honor Wayne's legacy and, and go over that album. Before we, we leave you, I just want to um, 
give everyone the rundown of where you can you can get up with us. We love to hear like listener questions, listener recommendations for albums, and there are many ways to get up with us. Um, if you go to the link in the show notes, a lot of it's there. But you can reach out to us at the Jazz Jam Podcast on Instagram, um, the Jazz Jam Podcast at gmail.com. You can go to our website. Everything is linked on our website, which is in the link below. So. And our website's just an awesome place with, um, it's just a great resource for all the albums we've done. We put our thoughts there, our ratings. You can go to each separate album individually. If you don't have time to listen to a specific episode, but you want to see what an album's about, that's a great place to go to kind of see what we rated it, what we think about it. So yeah, just a really good resource. And I want to point people in that direction, but we really look forward to being back into this and really looking forward to speak no evil next week by Wayne Shorter. And I just want to thank everyone for all the listens and for, for sticking with us. So this has been an episode of the jazz jam podcast. Mm -hmm.